Welcome to the Albany Update with Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. Now with this week's Albany Update, here's Jason McGuire. Today is a historic day as the Supreme Court has released its decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, and it's the one we've been waiting for. Before we even get to that decision, though, I'd like to read a passage of Scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 30, verses 19 and 20 say this, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curse. Therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, and holding fast to him, for he is your life and length of days. Well, the Supreme Court of the United States has made history in a decision that was 5-1-3, to to with the five conservative justices concurring, Justice John Roberts offering a different concurring but a differing opinion, and then three of the liberal justices in dissent, the court released its final decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization. In Dobbs, the court overruled its constitutionally groundless 1973 decision in Roe v. Wade. Since New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms was founded in 1982, we, along with pro-life allies in New York and across the nation, have advocated and fervently prayed for Roe v. Wade to be overturned. We sometimes doubted that we would live to see the day when our prayers would be answered. But after 40 long years, that beautiful day has finally dawned. The Supreme Court has correctly ruled that there is no constitutional right to abortion. In the Dobbs decision, Mississippi's Gestational Age Act, which made abortions after 15 weeks gestational age unlawful, except in certain narrowly defined circumstances, well, Dobbs was held to be constitutional. Furthermore, the authority to set abortion policy was rightly restored to the elected branches of government. Given the deep divisions in Congress, it is highly unlikely that the federal government will pass abortion-related legislation in the near future. However, all 50 states are now free to make their own abortion laws, and abortion will likely become illegal in nearly half the states. Untold numbers of lives will be saved. The abortion extremism of the modern Democratic Party would have us believe that this decision is about something other than a baby's life. But at 15 weeks, babies have fully developed hearts and little noses and lips. They can yawn, hiccup, and even suck their thumbs. This is what we are talking about a baby's life. Science has advanced since the 1973 Roe v. Wade and the 1992 Planned Parenthood v. Casey decisions. It's past time that our laws caught up and saw the humanity of the unborn child. The Supreme Court's Dobbs decision marks the beginning of a new stage of the pro-life movement in America. Pro-life advocates must peacefully and prayerfully make the case for life in every statehouse in the country and offer practical helps to the moms who choose life for their little ones. We must keep fighting until the lives of unborn babies are fully protected in law, and the notion of abortion becomes so abhorrent that no mother would willfully choose it for her child. Here in New York, the struggle will be an uphill one, but we embrace the challenge. There's a great deal of work ahead, but today we rejoice and give God all the glory for this decision that has come out today. On May 30th, a pro-abortion extremist group calling itself Jane's Revenge posted an online manifesto calling for a night of rage in the United States if and when the Supreme Court's infamous Roe v. Wade decision was overturned. The group's manifesto openly calls for political violence. 
It encourages pro-abortion sympathizers to, quote, get angry, and to, quote, express this madness fully and with ferocity, and to, quote, confront state forces of evil and domination. Well, after falsely connecting the pro-life movement to the despicable mass killing that occurred on May 24th in Texas, the manifesto calls upon pro-abortion individuals to take to the streets on the evening after the court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health. Now, that means that would be tonight, the night that I am recording, but I expect that violence could very well continue throughout the coming months. The manifesto says, Whatever form your fury takes, the first step is feeling it. The next step is carrying that anger out into the world and expressing it physically. Consider this your call to action. On the night the final ruling is issued, we are asking for courageous hearts to come out after dark. Whoever you are and wherever you are, we are asking for you to do what you can to make your anger known. End quote. But the manifesto concludes with the following message, and this too is a quote. To those who work to oppress us, if abortion isn't safe, you aren't either. We are everywhere. End quote. Well, after having taken responsibility for several arson attacks against pro-life organizations around the country, Jane's revenge openly threatened to escalate the violence. Here's another quote. From here forward, any anti-choice group who closes their doors and stops operating will no longer be a target. But until you do, it's open season, and we know where your operations are. The infrastructure of the enslavers will not survive. End quote. Well, that's chilling. At New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, we deplore threats and acts of violence, regardless of one's position on the sanctity of life or any other issue. We continue to call upon law enforcement to recognize the seriousness of these threats and to act accordingly. Also, we call upon the pro-life movement not to retaliate against attacks from Jane's revenge or to fight evil with evil. And that leads me to some prayer requests for the month of July. I would ask you to pray that the Lord would extend divine protection to the members of the Supreme Court of the United States and their families. That the Lord would also protect pro-life organizations across the country from any acts of violence that may be attempted in the wake of the Supreme Court's decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health, specifically that any attempts to create a night of rage would fail. And that the Lord would continue to provide funding and facilities for pro-life organizations that have been subjected to arson and other crimes. That the Lord would prevent any pro-life individuals from fighting evil with evil and from using violence in an effort to achieve pro-life goals. That the Lord would change the hearts of Governor Kathy Hochul, Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado, and pro-abortion members of the state legislature concerning abortion. And that the Lord would bring about a day where New York becomes a pro-life state. And finally, that the Lord would bring an end to legal abortion in the United States. Thank you for joining us in prayer. While that decision regarding Dobbs was a major decision in the Supreme Court, probably the biggest decision in decades, I have to say that there were other things that occurred. On June 21st, the Supreme Court of the United States released its decision in Carson v. Macon. The decision is consistent with other pro-religious liberty Supreme Court decisions released during the past several years. In Carson, well, a dispute arose occurring in the state of Maine. In many rural areas of Maine, school districts have opted not to create high schools. Some districts that lack public high schools contract to send their students to specified private high schools 
or to public high schools in other districts. In other main school districts that lack public high schools, parents receive government-funded vouchers for their children's high school educations. Those parents are free to use those vouchers to pay tuition at the public or private school of their choice. In 1981, however, Maine passed a law requiring that vouchers be used only in non-sectarian, in other words, non-religious schools. The question before the Supreme Court in Carson v. Macon was whether this 1981 law violated the right to the free exercise of religion contained in the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. And in a 6-3 decision, the court ruled that the main law did violate the First Amendment. The majority held that there was nothing neutral about Maine's program. The state pays tuition for certain students at private schools, so long as the schools are not religious. That is, discrimination against religion. The court stated that the state of Maine was not obliged to provide public funds to non-public schools. However, according to SCOTUSblog.com, the court added that if states opt to subsidize private education, they cannot exclude private schools from receiving those funds simply because they are religious. For 40 years, Maine's law has unconstitutionally discriminated against parents regarding private schools based on religion. That discrimination ends today, said Matt Staver, founder of Liberty Council. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms applauds the Supreme Court for upholding religious liberty and protecting Christian schools. In other news, but continuing in the theme of religious liberty, on June 16th, the New York Times reported that a trial court had ruled against Yeshiva University in a case involving a conflict between LGBT activism and religious liberty. According to the Times, a group of students sued the university in 2021 to challenge its unwillingness to allow an LGBT student group to form on campus. The students claimed that the university's action violated the New York City human rights law, which prohibits discrimination based upon sexual orientation and gender identity. For its part, the university asserted that it is a religious organization and that it is therefore exempt from the city's human rights law. Justice Lynn Kotler ruled that Yeshiva University's charter identified it as an educational corporation, not a religious corporation. The university has stated that it intends to appeal this ruling and to seek a stay. The university's attorney, Eric Baxter, of the Beckett Fund for Religious Liberty, argued that courts don't get to quibble over whether you said enough in your article of incorporation about your religious character. That is contrary to clearly established case law that says courts don't get to second-guess a religious institution's religious activities when its religious characteristics are plain and obvious. The university encourages its students to study religion in Israel and requires male students to study the Torah daily. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms thanks Yeshiva University for refusing to back down to judicial efforts to erode its Orthodox Jewish identity. And finally today, on June 28th, Tuesday, the state of New York will hold primary elections for the offices of governor, lieutenant governor, and state assembly member, and for various local offices. Primary elections hold significant importance in the political process. By voting in a primary, a knowledgeable New York voter who is enrolled in a political party can help his or her party position itself to win the general election by selecting the strongest possible candidate. Alternatively, a voter who is not enthusiastic about any of his party's candidates 
can influence the process by voting for the primary candidate that he finds least objectionable. Despite their importance, voter turnout for primary elections is often quite low. Low voter turnout magnifies the importance of each individual vote. For example, after Republican State Senator Roy McDonald had outraged Republican voters by voting for same-sex marriage in 2011, Senator McDonald received a primary challenge from Saratoga County Clerk Kathy Marchione in 2012. Marchione prevailed by a razor-thin margin of 99 votes and went on to win the general election. That close election illustrates the oft-repeated maxim that every vote counts. As we have previously indicated, New Yorker's Family Research Foundation, our educational arm, has prepared voter guides for the 2022 Republican and Democratic primaries for governor and for the 2022 Democratic primary for lieutenant governor. With this information, Christian voters in New York can have a positive and meaningful impact on the election. Christian, hear me in this one and please pay attention. Your vote does matter. To those who say that it doesn't, if you don't show up to vote, you become a self-fulfilling prophecy. So please go out and vote. Your vote makes a difference. Please commit to voting in the Tuesday, June 28th primary. Your vote will indeed make a difference. And in this year in particular, there is tremendous opportunity for Christian voters to make a difference. So let's get out and vote. Let's make a difference on Tuesday, June 28th. I can only work with what you send me in Albany. You have been listening to the Albany Update, hosted by the Reverend Jason J. McGuire, Executive Director of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms. New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms exists to influence legislation and legislators for the Lord Jesus Christ. To learn more about this ministry, issues you've heard on the program, or to make a financial contribution in support of New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms, visit albanyupdate.com or call 585-225-2340. Additionally, you can mail correspondence to P.O. Box 107, Spencerport, New York, 14559. You can receive the latest legislative updates at facebook.com slash albanyupdate. Follow New Yorkers for Constitutional Freedoms on Twitter at Albany Update or sign up to receive the weekly Albany Update email by texting the word FREEDOM to 22828.